0: It's a great, a great privilege to have a guest preacher this morning. I was away a little bit this week, and it's uh, even more of a, a privilege to have, of all people, Tom Church with us. Uh, many of you, if you've been around for a little bit, know that Emmanuel is is a daughter church. Uh, we were planted mm, some 17 years ago uh, by Emmanuel Belmar, where Tom served as the longtime pastor. Uh, really God working through his His vision and excitement about church planning that, that we exist uh, through God's God's grace, and we're thankful to be able to maintain that connection and that history, even, even uh, having uh, preaching together. So welcome, time. Thank you. There are so many precious faces here. <laughs> well an imaginary conversation between Moses and the Lord. Um, I think I saw this dialogue in a tract years ago and I think it was by a guy named Michael Cassie. Lord, I'm sorry to bother you at this late point in history, but there seems to be some unhappiness, um, particularly among the New Testament crowd about some of your laws, especially the fourth commandment. You know, you know, the one about keeping the the Sabbath holy? Yes, well, I'm aware of the fourth commandment. Uh, what seems to be the problem? Oh, well, Lord, it seems a little outdated uh, and really unreasonable today's day and age to expect folks to give a whole day over to To you, well, that doesn't sound very good, does it? I mean, a whole day over to worship and and church and and whatnot. No, Moses, that doesn't sound very good at all. I've been pretty patient with you folk, kept my covenant promises, treated you extraordinarily well over the years, and do I need to remind you about sending my son Jesus to die for your sins? I I do seem to remember... um, some unhappiness about uh, 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 about the fourth commandment back in the wilderness years but it's all for your good Moses do you really think I need a day of rest for myself well no Lord of course but do you think Moses that my chosen people today are any less in need of of separation holiness rest instruction that the lord day offers uh than than in the past well maybe not (laughs) things are a little ragged down here the church doesn't seem to be as faithful or coming together quite as well as i as i hope they might it's coming together just the way i planned it to come together moses but so far as the sabbath is concerned i'm the opinion judging from the state of things in the world today that my people need this sabbath day more than ever well maybe you're right lord as usual i'll, I'll try to express that to the church just point out the bible this morning um, and uh, my words and i'll take care of the rest well God's word from the Bible, then, is found in the 17th chapter of the book, Prophecy of Jeremiah. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 17, beginning at verse 19. Here now God's word. Thus says the Lord to me, Go and stand in the people's gate by which the kings of Judah enter, and by which they go out, and in all the gates of Jerusalem, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah, and all Judah, and all inhabitants of Jerusalem, who enter by these gates. Thus says the Lord, Take care for the sake of your lives, and Do not bear a burden on the Sabbath day or bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem. And do not carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath or do any work, but keep the Sabbath holy as I commanded your fathers. Yet they did not listen or incline their ear, but stiffened their necks and that they might not hear and receive instruction. But if you listen to me, declares the Lord, And bring in no burden by the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but keep the Sabbath day holy and do no work on it. Then there shall enter by the gates of this city, kings and princes who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their officials, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And this city shall be inhabited forever and people, shall come from the cities of Judah and the places around Jerusalem from the land of Benjamin and um, from Shephelah uh, from the hill country and from the Negev bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices grain offerings and frankincense and bringing thanks thank offerings uh, to the house of the Lord but if you do not listen to me to keep the Sabbath day holy and not to bear a burden and enter by the gate of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle a fire in its gates, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem, and shall not be quenched. O Lord, open thou our eyes, that we may see wonderful things. In your mind. Well. Um, <clears throat> I want to uh, speak uh, first about uh, the identity of the Lord's Day as a, as a badge or a marker which distinguishes or sets apart the people of God. We're to keep the day holy because we're a holy people. And to say that we're a holy people is to say, first of all, that we're a separated people. And to one degree or another, every Christian has to come to the point in their life where they understand and accommodate themselves to that fact. You are not like other folk; uh, That you are a separate people. That you do not belong to the world or enter to the world or to her evil prince. Uh, we are called out of the world by uh, the Lord God. We are chosen uh, and separated and set apart for his purposes uh, God's uh, people glorify and enjoy God they love him and they worship him in a special way that the world cannot and will not and does not it's the Christian alone who sings <clears throat> And I won't try to sing it uh, I belong to Jesus I am not my own all I have and all I am shall be his alone I belong to Jesus he is Lord and King reigning in my inmost heart over everything now, that's always been the way it is with god's people uh, think of israel of old uh, uh, called apart set apart separated from the nations given a name given an identity given a law given the gospel in ritual form given the covenant i will be your god and you will be my people that's the essence of the covenant and what does it mean well it means simply that that as God's people we're to serve him and honor him and obey him and put him first in our lives. Well for his part he promises to protect and bless us and, and keep us as his people and deliver us into heaven. And God from the very start from creation itself <clears throat> so then gave us the Sabbath day as a marker that identifies and visibly sets apart the people of God and the world around them. Even now, our observance of the Lord day, Lord's Day really, in many ways, uh, identifies and distinguishes us from the world around. You're not somewhere else. You're here. And, um, and it's not too strong to say that the Lord's Day is really part of our identity. And uh, the church and God's people are very unwise when they seek to remove the marker by worshiping on other days, or by minimizing the Lord's Day, or by failing to meet on the Lord's Day altogether, look—it's—it's not—it's a very good thing for your neighbors to see you get up on Sunday morning, get in your cars with your Bible, yes, your Bible um, in in your hands, and and morning and maybe even an evening, and go to church and worship God. And it's a good thing for us, because it reminds us as well uh, of who we are and what we do. We belong to Jesus. We're not our own. It's not all about us. Uh, It helps us to be so selfishly focused on ourselves. One important way we express that to God um, in the world by setting apart a whole day each week for him. Uh, so I want you to see the Lord's Day uh, as an observance, uh, and rather, observances as a badge and a marker of God's, as God's people. Um, the active of obedience of the fourth commandment also, in effect, holds us back from the world uh, to a degree. It keeps us from getting swallowed up and assimilated or sucked up and vacuumed up into the world. Um, You know, you may have had the experience of reading through the Bible and wondering why God is so adamant regarding the observance of the fourth commandment and even often punishes his people sometimes severely for breaking it, especially in the Old Testament age. In the text this morning, God directs his prophet uh, Jeremiah to stand in the various gates of the capital city of Jerusalem and strongly remind and admonish the people regarding their use of the Lord's name which apparently was not what it was supposed to have been. Promising blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. Clearly, God regards it to be critically important that his people observe uh, the Sabbath and their national life. And there's a very important reason for this. All of God's uh, prophets from Moses uh, and Joshua throughout uh, the Bible warn uh, Israel that if they transgressed the covenant and abandoned the Lord's day that they would soon end up worshipping uh, other gods the gods of the nations and in short order would be indistinguishable from the pagans amongst, amongst whom they lived <clears throat> to whom they were to witness and then at some point God will be compelled by justice uh, to expel them from the land and just give it back to the pagans uh, to put it very simply, uh, God gave us uh, the commandment and enforces the commandment because He knew, He knows that if you lose the Lord's day, before long you lose the Lord. If you lose the Lord's day, you lose the Lord. Now, modern Christianity, and to a large degree, uh, a modern big, back, a big box evangelicalism, absolutely rejects that paradigm. Um, uh, to uh, it denies to any significant connection um, of, uh, between fidelity to Christ in His appointed day and the health of the church, and they poo-poo it. Um, uh, pretty much, um, they reject the Sabbath altogether. Um, they regard it as Old Testament ritual legalism, uh, by which, in effect, they are saying, uh, "We have uh, come to know um, better than God in this matter." We, we've studied our theology a little more carefully than those old-fashioned people, and, you know, I think we've got it clear. We can do whatever we want in the Lord's Day. It isn't going to have the slightest effect upon our faith, our religion, at all. In fact, we don't even think there should be a Sabbath or a Lord's Day in this age altogether. And some people go so far as to reject the importance of the gathered institutional church altogether. Word, sacrament, discipline, what's that to us? You know, it's, it's all about me and Jesus. Forget the church. That really is uh, the logical conclusion of the rejection of the fourth commandment. Now, I'm all about me and Jesus, by the way. But, but there's a little more to it than that. And I don't have time um, uh, this morning to refute that line of thought which is really beyond the scope of the text, but I I will tell you that it is theologically indefensible and just dead wrong. Uh, And history has proved it to be dead wrong over and over and over again. Lose the Lord's Day, and to one degree or another, you lose the Lord, and this is how it happens. There's this sports event. We love our children, we love our sports events. Uh, And there's, or there's this party, or there's this work obligation, or maybe some very important family event, Uh, and um, pretty soon, well, no one's getting to church at all, except from time to time, maybe sort of. And what does that do to your walk with the Lord and your witness to your children or your grandchildren? What do they learn? Well, they learn they learn what's important to their parents, and say what you will. By not getting up and going to church, as prosaic as that is, um, on morning and yes evening, uh, well it says, well that's not very important, and God must not be very important. I mean, how dumb do we have to be? The Sabbath commandment is one of the Ten Commandments, isn't it? There's ten, uh, and, and it's part of the it's part of the unchangeable moral law. It's still enforced today, together with commandments against murder and adultery and lying and stealing and disobedience to authority we still give them some attention Uh, if someone tells you that Jesus has abrogated or discontinued the Lord's day in this New Testament age it's just not true if someone tells you that Jesus rejected the Sabbath himself and his disciples that's not true either Jesus simply rejected the legalistic caricature Of the lord's day which the pharisees of which the pharisees were such champions he would have nothing to do with that in fact um, uh, the sabbath ordinance is even weightier than the moral law uh, because it predates the moral law the ten commandments it's a creation commandment um, which god issued at creation together with the unchangeable ordinances marriage and and labor. Are we going to have done with marriage and labor too? I mean, let's be consistent. You see, these are are creation commands. Um, Don't mess with this stuff. God knows what he's doing. The Lord's Day is a shield that protects us from idolatry and sin. It's not only a badge that sets apart and identifies us. uh, It's also a shield to protect us from idolatry and from slavery to sin. God sends Jeremiah to stand there in the gates around Jerusalem, capital city, and to speak to them. And he prefaces all of his remarks almost uh, in verse 21 with these words. Thus says the Lord, take care for the sake of your lives. In other words, if you value your life, you'd better listen to what God has to say to you. And then he proceeds to warn them against failing to keep the Sabbath uh, holy by making it indistinguishable from every other day, by carrying burdens, doing work, engaging in commerce, things perfectly allowable uh, the rest of the week, but not on uh, the Sabbath, the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the Sabbath uh, is... Um, uh, it, it, but the seventh day is the sabbath the Lord your God on it you shall not do any work and neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your manservant, maidservant nor your animals nor the alien within your gates now understand what all these prohibitions about, are about they're part of God's purpose to protect us from ourselves and to keep us from idolatry and from to keep us from slavery to greed and sin it's that's that's the second thing about the fourth commandment. It's about protection. Um, the Old Testament prophets understood this far better than most modern-day ministers and prophets. The prophet um, Amos, uh, for example, Garrett, Derek Pinder, Kinder makes this point that that, um, that Amos describes the. money-mad contemporaries fuming over the Sabbath interruption of their business saying, when will the new moon be over and when will we sell grain in the Sabbath that we may offer wheat for sale that's a scriptural quote see they regard the Sabbath regulations as simply annoying obstacles to their business ambitions, just getting ahead in life, these guys were they were businessmen (laughs) you know, they wanted to get them ahead but the, the prophet and, and, uh, and the governor, uh, Nehemiah, uh, speak about the same thing. Describing the streets of Jerusalem thronged with shoppers. This is the mall. And there, everybody's there. And they're shopping on the Lord's Day. They're, 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 the, the place is choked with carts and booths and salesmen hawking their wares. In those days, writes Gehemiah, Nehemiah, I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath, Bring in heaps of grain and loading them with um, donkeys, also wine, grapes, figs, and all other kinds of loads, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, and I warned them. What's the problem? Well, the problem is God is concerned with this, as expressed here in Jeremiah 17. Uh, it said His people would become enslaved and ruined by their own commerce and their own business, and by their greed and by their desires, they become so infatuated with buying and selling um, that that they'll become uh, corrupted idolaters, worn out and spiritually um, ruined by the world. The purpose of man, writes John Murray, is not to be found in the uninterrupted tilling of the soil. God does not want his people to become slaves uh, to creation or to slaves to the ambitions of other people. What was it that, that excited Jesus, uh, uh, God, uh, so much about the, the people uh, who were enslaved in, in Egypt? Well, because, what what, what, what kept saying? Let my people go, why? So they could do some more work? No, that they might worship me. What uh, what really captured God's heart, if we can put it that way, was his people weren't even allowed to worship. All they were doing was slaving uh, all day long, every day of the week, for Pharaoh of all people. Um, God doesn't want that for us. Who's Pharaoh for you? Maybe Peter Pagan, and your boss is Pharaoh. I don't know, but you know, he doesn't own you. You know, and God's and God's. At, at antidote and guard for this is to give us one day out of 7 or to leave off of all this stuff lest it ensnares your soul and wears down your hearts and your bodies God knows what he's talking about. Don't open a second ignorant mouth to God and try to argue theology with him and tell him you don't need the Lord's Day because you do need it. Every one of you and every, myself as well. The Lord's Day serves us today in the same way to protect us from making materialism and prosperity and worldly success for ourselves and for our children an idol that distracts us and diverts us and keeps us from Christ and ruins us. We have a different set of ideas and and we, we, we walk to a different drummer, don't we? We don't belong to ourselves. We don't belong to the world. We belong to the Lord. And manufacturers' instructions make it very clear how we should order our lives. Uh, I, I don't exaggerate when I, when I tell you that one of the greatest gifts that any parent can give his children is to establish them when they're still young and under your sway uh, in the wholesome habit of setting aside the entire Lord's Day for worshiping and enjoying the Lord. Uh, What will serve your son or daughter better in life and eternity? Getting that coveted slot uh, in the dance routine or the music competition or the the football or, or soccer or basketball team scholarship or grounding them in the godly discipline and habit of worship and rest that will bless their souls for eternity. If you don't help them and teach them how to say no to the world. That's getting harder and harder to do. We're talking about swimming against the current here. I know this is a radical message But if you don't teach them to say no to the world when they're young, uh, you should have no expectation that they will have the wisdom and the discipline and fortitude to be able to set aside Sunday for themselves and their children when they grow older. Let me say this also. And this flows from the text of scripture before us this morning. That fidelity to uh, the Sabbath commandment is a test of our fidelity and faith of the Lord. It's a declaration of, of faith. It's a declaration of, of our dependence, our willing dependence on God. When we turn aside from our own ways and in our own program and our own plans for Sunday, we, we put aside all of that and put aside our business and turn and focus away from ourselves to loving Jesus and worshiping Jesus and sitting at his feet and worshiping in his instruction and enjoying one another in the Lord. When we do that, we're in effect saying, I trust God's wisdom and provision and I'm willing and anxious uh, to trust him, that he will provide for my family for seven days of sustenance in return for six days of labor. That's a point of faith for the Christian. It's also a pretty sweet promise. Work six, get one free. Well, am I willing, you see, uh, to, to believe and, and that the, the, the sacrifices I might make and require my family to me in keeping um, the Sabbath will be more than offset by God's gracious provision. Uh, more than, than that, my setting aside that the Lord's Day is holy is a declaration of my love to Jesus. I want to please Him and, and obey His holy law. I want to honor and worship Him throughout the day in a special way. Now, <clears throat> it's very important. To recognize that God nowhere gives us a specific list of, of things allowed or disallowed on the Sabbath. Because He doesn't want to make each of you into little legalists. Oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. Um, no, he, he doesn't do that. He, he gives us, for the most part, the broad picture of commands about work and commerce and worship. And we, each one of you, has to work out the specifics for yourself. What does it mean? for you to keep uh, the Sabbath holy. Uh, Beyond the obvious requirements of attending worship services, how can I do this? How can I make this day a blessing and a means of grace in my life and those around me? Uh, We know that um, that there are matters of of mercy and necessity that, that, that come upon us and have to be negotiated and figured out. But with our human genius for getting things wrong, as Derek Kidner puts it, we must always avoid the extremes. On one hand, other becoming uh, pharisaical and inflexible and legalistic and making a thousand household rules and and the provisions that serve no purpose except to make us feel proud and self righteous. I would never do that on the Lord's Day here. We can we can go that route. But on the other hand, and this is probably the greater temptation, of becoming so lackadaisical uh, regarding the Lord's Day or being guided by pure pragmatism and convenience and, and, and self-desires in making no principal provisions uh, for the day at all, treating the Lord's Day just as any other day, and caving in to the pressures of the culture the miserable, miserable rationalizations that we can never before the eyes of the Lord. So that in the end, at the end of the day, well, uh, the end of the day, there is no day, no Lord's Day at all, with the possible exception at Easter or Christmas or church attendance. When it's convenient and when it doesn't run traffic with their own purposes and plans and so forth. So those are the two extremes. But there's something more, and that is this. Finally, we need to uh, recognize that the Lord's Day. Um, uh, reminds us of the blessings uh, in this age and especially of the Sabbath rest in the age to come. Uh, look at the promises that Jeremiah annexes to this admonition in verses 25 and 26. He says, If you'll keep the Sabbath, he tells them, and honor the Lord on this holy day, instead, and, and instead of, God, of God kindling an unquenchable fire in the gates of Jerusalem. He will bring blessing, and uh, then he proceeds to promise a restoration of the Davidic uh, throne. He promises glorious worship. He promises prosperity and state security. A people from the north and from the south and the east and west will come pouring into Jerusalem to worship. In other words, in return for uh, covenant obedience, God promises blessing on the throne of David, on the temple and on Jerusalem. Those are the three basic aspects of national religious life in the Old Testament people. So David, the temple, and Jerusalem. Well, <clears throat> how, do, how does that relate to us today? Well, I believe we should understand it this way that if God's people in His church in this age will keep faith with God and honor His covenant and honor His, his commandments, If we will commit ourselves by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit to love and follow the Lord and prefer him in his word and in his way over our own words and over our own way and honor and worship him on his day, that we too will have Jesus on the throne lifted up with blessings of his people and will be a light and a blessing to the nations around us. They will see our worship They'll see our ordered lives. And they'll see our love for Jesus and for one another and on the Lord's day, And they'll come pouring into the church to hear his gospel and commit their lives to Christ and receive his blessings. But that could happen. That could happen. People would say, you know what? Things are so messed up in this world all around us. and But there are these people... <clears throat> who, who, who go, to, go to church on Sunday. And they seem to be kind of together and happy. And uh, we look into that, don't you? That can happen. So the Lord's Day um, <clears throat> is a marker that identifies and distinguishes us, sets us apart as uh, the people of God. It's a shield that protects us from idolatry and slavery to sin and it brings blessing uh, into this life and finally that's a promise of the age to come. Uh, the early church <clears throat> <excuse me clears throat> um, changed the Sabbath uh, from the seventh to the first day of the week the day of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus not only because they understood that the pivotal nature of the resurrection uh, on their own lives but also because they understood how it intersected with the eternal Sabbath in the age to come. When a man, when a woman trusts in Christ as their Savior and Lord, what do they do? They lay aside their own works, don't they? They lay aside the supposition that we can somehow bargain or buy our way into heaven with works or with being an exemplary sort of person. Um, Lay aside um, They lie inside this idea of meritorious ritual. Uh, We lay aside a restless heart and we cast ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ and he becomes our Sabbath rest as we trust in him. And the Lord takes on, the Lord's day takes on a whole new brightness as an opportunity to worship and enjoy and grow in grace. But that's not all. The Lord's day also points us to the eternal Sabbath rest to come. It reminds us that in heaven will be a great Sabbath celebration described in Revelation 19 as the marriage supper of the Lamb. Surely that's the great fulfillment and the glorious conclusion to the Sabbath day. I belong to Jesus. He will keep my soul. When the deadly waters dark round about me run, I belong to Jesus and ere long I'll stand with my precious Savior there in the glory land. And resting in Christ means resting in his provisions for us, among which is a provision of the Lord's Day. The badge and shield of the Sabbath is not a curse, it's not a blessing, a, a burden, it's a great blessing. That's right. <clears throat> Lord God, thank you that you um, you know far better. You know us better than we know ourselves. And you know what will serve us and what will help us to serve you. We thank you for that wonderful rest we we find when you draw us sweetly to yourself. The rest we find when we trust in Christ and we put Him in the center of our lives. And we thank you that the Sabbath is, is a picture of that and an exercise. Uh, that we uh, engage in as believers, and uh, a wonderful thing. Father, help us to uh, to honor your day and grow in Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.